Hatching commences in 15 seconds. third place uh tonight is going to be a really fun uh two-part episode that i've been dying to do and i feel like i wanted to do this very early from the shows we get go because the lady of tonight needs two weeks to be properly uh discussed and appreciated because her impact reaches beyond games uh but I uh, am joined by a very special guest, someone who I uh, admired his previous guest uh, appearances on podcasts. And we have uh, <laughs> spent two weeks just uh, giddily replying to each other about Tomb Raider. So I am honored to have my guest, Stephen. How are you tonight? God, how are you? I'm so excited oh, to talk. I'm just, I've been looking forward to this for the better part of two weeks now. I mean, Tomb Raider is a legend. You know, Laura is a legend. Laura Ben Croft, as you as, as we've been like saying to each other for like just two weeks. Uh, it's new messages just in all caps. Laura Ben Croft. Like. <laughs> I mean, I think it's totally fair to have that uh, energy for her. I mean, no other. Rarely do. Rarely do any game character uh, is so well known and just like part of pop culture like Miss Croft is and how much Tomb Raider, no matter what generation of console it is or what <clears throat> or what timeline she is in, she is always front and center. Everyone lines up to buy her games. And, you know, I think it is time to properly revere her and talk about her so 
But before we get into that, Stephen, I have to ask you, like I ask every single week, I want to know your game history. You were briefly telling me in DMs uh, your history with gaming. I mean, obviously, I know your sort of Tomb Raider history, but I want to know where 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 does it all begin? Where where does the story begin? Yeah, so I'm gonna age myself uh, <laughs> up front. <laughs> Uh, I uh, actually grew up with an NES uh, when I was like six or seven. We had one, maybe even before that. Um, yeah, so I grew up playing the original Super Mario, Super Mario 2, 3, Ghouls and Goblins. That's a game, right? Um, yep, that, that brutally difficult Capcom game. Fucking awful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like Castlevania, I, I would play on that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, Finding Nemo was something I oddly still think about because they had this <laughs> level that was topsy turvy and it was upside down. So, uh, yeah, I had that and you know, the duck hunt, everything. Um, so yeah, I started out with NES and then, um, from there, uh, I was a Sega kid. Nice. Uh, and- yeah, I think you talked about how the the pipeline usually is Sega, the PlayStation, which happened in my, uh, you know, in my case. But on the Sega, I was really into you know Mortal Kombat series. Uh, the first like three uh, were some of my favorite games to play. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, of games, uh, Kid Chameleon. Uh, my friend had uh, he was lucky enough to have the Sega TV. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can play. (laughs) Yeah, Scott Um, mentioned that. Scott mentioned that on our episode, and it's just been like kind of floating in my mind. Just that concept of a product is amazing, especially for early '90s. I can't believe that was a thing. Oh, I know, and it it was great because they they literally had everything on there. Um, Mm. Fantastic. Huge fan of uh, Sonic Three was my favorite Sonic. Mm-hmm. Mine too. I recently just bought Sonic Legends and I replayed it. Um, and it took me a while to figure out that, like, oh, I actually have to collect rings to make Super Sonic because I just thought it happened. <laughs> this is what happened that zone. And I was like, oh, I'm like got to that zone. And I was like, oh, cool, I'm gonna finally be Super Sonic. And then it didn't happen. And I was like, what? You missed uh, something. Yeah, I was like, oh, you have to collect rings. I'm like, nah, I'm like with Sonic. I'm like, I just have to one, just one, and I'm fucking good. Uh, but yeah, I played uh, Streets of Rage 2 a lot. That was like uh, one of my big favorite games. Uh, never actually owned it, but probably rented it from uh, local video stores pretty much mm-hmm. every week. Uh, yeah, that was one of my. Uh, favorite games and i loved your episode on that and you have to play four sometime because it, it was I, I have four now i do own four at the moment i'm gonna have to sit down and sit my white ass down and finally play it i I'm, i've been building it up in my head uh so i would love down and listen uh, <laughs> listen i mean the fact yeah, that yeah. I, they they tickled my you know the part of my brain it's like oh they gave they they made actual even hotter in the fourth game, it's like wow, interesting. I always played as Axel. That was uh, that was my man. 
And then in three, I like playing as a Rue, uh, the, the kangaroo. <laughs> you tell, uh, man, I can only imagine uh, if Ash mm -hmm. had remained a playable yeah. character. Yeah, but that game was impossible. Uh, uh -huh, yep. As I, I remember it just being like unplayable. Yeah, it's uh, to a certain point. It, it's insane, and it was done on purpose too. It was done completely on purpose because uh, they wanted Americans to have the harder game. Well, which usually happened by because of rentals. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, just yeah, to get yeah. more money out of you. I mean, it 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 worked. It's just you know in playing Streets of Rage three nowadays, it just literally feels like I'm ripping like my fingernails off. It's insane. Yeah, so uh had the Sega. Um really wanted a 32X for no reason. Uh but um didn't have a game during my but my cousins did and I played that a lot. Uh that hot, heavy double <laughs> <laughs> A battery guzzling little thing. Or I guess not little. That thing was huge. Yeah, real crazy. Uh love that. Love that though. Um so yeah, then I uh had the PlayStation Mac. Um, and that was, uh, that was my, uh, really huge game in years, you know, um, played original Resident Evil, huge fan of all those games on PS, yeah. like Twisted Metal, Tekken, um, yeah, yeah, Twisted Conference. Metal fan, I'm a huge yeah, Twisted Metal fan. <laughs> oh, I had two, I played two all the time, uh, and three, I would always play as, um, Club Kid. Oh, he was one of my favorites too. Yeah, I would play. I would suck people in and then put that remote bomb down and then just, you know, drive away. Uh, yeah, I uh, I always played as Club Kid or Spectre because I always liked the Dodge Viper. I would, I my dumb kid brains like I like the Dodge Viper. It's so cool. Yeah, it was cute. It was cute. It was cute, and he was like kind of like a Johnny Cage ass type dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was. Like, he, he just wanted to be famous. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Um, God, what else did I play? Uh, my two favorite games on PlayStation were Wild Arms um, and Xenogears. Uh, played all the Square things. Also liked all the working designs games like uh, Alundra mm -hmm. and Lunar and Lunar series uh, were really uh, good for me. Oh, yeah. Um, no, those are classics. Yeah, but of course, like Tomb Raider as well, and I, I always love Tomb Raider because you could look forward to another one to come out every year around Christmas. So it was always something that I like begged for to get. Um, <laughs> usually, they, usually they came out in like late, I think two out in like late November, so it was perfect for those times, and you could always count on, you know, it coming out every year. Yeah. Gosh, what else? I talked to you earlier today. You know, I have the time crisis gun. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I'm so. I, I've been waiting for someone to bring up time crisis because that's such a cool little moment. You know, just a light gun. Like those just like 90s arcade games that would just make their way onto consoles. Like. PlayStation was also awful because you had to buy all these different adapters to make things work. <laughs> I had to order the adapter to make the gun work because you couldn't just like plug it in. You had to pick yeah. this device that, you know, babbages that became game had the order for me. And so it was like, 
getting that game. We had to wait an extra like three and a half weeks to even play it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also remember more fun things like having that DDR rollout um, pad. Um, also remember doing a challenge with my friends where we tried to play Tomb Raider on the Dance Dance Revolution pad. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> You're insane. Really fun to do. That would be like a, uh, you know, thing. The challenge, so, the um, challenge run. Yeah, the challenge run. Uh, then after that, I definitely got a PS2. You know, uh, played. Uh, God, I played Star Ocean on that. Oh, oh, I'm glad. Oh, wow. This, I think you're the first person also to mention Star Ocean. Like, I love Star Ocean. Yeah, so I had Star Ocean on PlayStation, the PlayStation One. Um, the second. Story? Is that what it's called? I think um, so. I I have I, I have with me till the end of time on PS2. Yeah, that's what I played as well. I love that game. Um, even if it has a really stupid twist that you know. <laughs> uh, oh, video game. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I Star uh, Star Ocean is like a beloved little franchise that somehow keeps going. Like they just put out another one. I like against all odds. I feel like it's a franchise <laughs> that like only a certain select people, like diehard RPG fans, will know about. And it continues to still be a PS2 game despite having like modern visuals nowadays. Like I, I, I genuinely love Star Ocean. I, I would love to talk about Star Ocean in the future. Well, here I am. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, I already have you as Wild Arms, so hey, you're, you're going to be the JRPG aficionado with me. We're going to get this done. Um, also, uh, Resident Evil 4, I played a hell a lot of, uh, mm -hmm. of that game. And I still play it every year. It was funny, last year, you know, PlayStation tells you like how long you spent on games. Yeah. You know? Actually, RE4 was my top played game for, like two years ago, and I was like, holy hell. Um, it was my like fourth most played game this past year. I was like, sounds about right. <laughs> like, I can all it, it is, it is endlessly replayable, despite like, you know, there's not much anything different. Just, you know, hey, you get the you get all the unique costumes and you get the uh the plagas laser gun and you're just like well time to speed run for fun exactly um so what else did i play in the ps2 um no i, I did continue to play twisted metal on that uh gosh what else um but then after that i went dark a little bit uh because i went off to college and didn't really participate in the ps3 era but during that time i played ragnarok online uh on my laptop i don't know about that game, oh, i like i don't think i know about that one wow yeah, it was like a Korean, uh mm what are the how do you say that mmo rpg <laughs> yeah it was, it was like that it was a it was fun uh and then uh and i finally got a ps4 and i think my first game i really got into that was monster hunter world and the last time I checked, I was clocked like over seven hundred hours on that. So, I'm that gonna, I'm gonna have to finally play that. I, I bought that in college, thinking I was gonna play it, and then I never did. I don't know why. Like, I know that I would love it. I love the demo, 
but like I could just I feel like it's a game that I'm going it's I feel like it's a game I will become freakishly addicted to in a bad way like that seems to be the story oh, yeah, with I mean, everyone who plays Monster Hunter World is that they it becomes their life. Oh yeah, I played like over seven hundred hours, and they do an awful thing, which is show you how long you've spent on it. Which I'm like, <laughs> fuck you. you uh, yeah, that's <laughs> just like, hey, look how much time you spent here and not outside. It's cruel. I I, I, I feel oh, like I feel like Monster Hunter World is gonna like. I feel like it because I also have tried Final Fantasy 14 and I knew like when I played that free trial, I knew I was going to get obsessed with it. And I was like, I'm not paying for this. Like, I can't get sucked into it. I know I'm going to spend every waking moment I'm going to of my life playing that. Uh, so I stopped I, myself. I played that a little bit. I actually didn't really get into it because it was just endless fetch quests like go find fucking eight piles of faggots and give them to someone. <laughs> yeah. Over and over again ad nauseum. I didn't like it. But Monster Underworld, yeah, because you can customize your characters with all the stuff. And it's really great when I'd be in co-op and someone would, would come up to me and just write gay. Because my <laughs> character would be <laughs> Wait, your character would be called <laughs> your character's half <laughs> naked. <laughs> AS monsters, I would have like the cutest fucking shit, um, you know, bright colors and stuff. So let's yeah, straight, that was great. Straight boys don't understand like the gay man obsession about if a game gives you customization, a gay will make it like into their own little mini game of making the most cunty outfit that they can. Uh yeah. And any character creation. My friend I played would be so mad at me because I would just pick things based on like how cute they were. But a lot of the times the cutest things would be from like the weakest um, monsters. So like I would be getting fucked up and she'd be having to like buff me and heal me all the time because I was wearing shit from like a level one fucking monster just to look cute. Uh, so. <laughs> oh my God. It's so, it's so true though. Like, um, I hate in RPGs like Cyberpunk lets you you know pick gives you whatever clothes you want, and I hate hate I hate that all the good stuff like it, Cyberpunk's fashion becomes like a weird monster because like it's all the clothing is stat based stuff, and it becomes like you just become a like a weird fashion uh show monstrosity like walking around with like a, a tracksuit jacket with like neon pink pants and monocle glasses in a in a in a beret and it's like well that's my character and i'm not i can't i can't get away this stuff it's too good yeah now uh, all my characters would always wear beret it's the it's the tail on a, a faggot play <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's the fun too. No one understands that. No, n none of the straight guys will understand like a gay's little like obsession with making like their cute character. Because straight yeah. boys always make the monstrosities. They always make like the ugliest things known to man. Because they think oh. you know that's what they do when like a game dev gives them like a character creator. It's like if you look at any Dark Souls video, it's like how do I turn this character in Sonic the Hedgehog? And I'm like, you 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 didn't have to. You didn't have to make that. 
you could have just you know made an appealing character but no you have to be annoying yeah well you would love monster on the road because you get to decorate your own little like house as well so uh and you can noted you can tell with your characters in the little hot springs too it's like it's very cute um I know that they added like they added Leon and Claire as like skins and uh Geralt's in the game from The Witcher. Like I kinda like that absurdity of it. Oh, um yeah, the Witcher character, I um literally had to stop playing that uh, mini quest because the boss was so annoying and uh I almost like threw my controller against the wall and literally had to like calm myself down because I haven't had a game do that to me at all like i'm a pretty like chill low-key kind of guy playing video games but that shit had me seeing red and i wanted to like <laughs> smash my controller into smithereens like i never felt that before but like monster underworld and the witcher quest brought me there it brought me to like my <laughs> so what you're saying is that now every time you see Geralt, you think of that one quest whenever he's appearing on screen yeah. somewhere Fucking awful, but they had they had a Resident Evil quest. They had some Final Fantasy stuff. Uh, it was it's really fun. You you got to play it. Yeah, I'll I will set time. I and I I I know I want to talk about Monster Hunter just because Monster Hunter is sort of like that. Uh, it's a franchise that for the longest time was fairly niche, and then World catapulted into a triple A thing. Now everyone mm -hmm. wants to play new Monster Hunter games. I can only imagine what like the next world entry is going to be like, you know, because they're not going to be on the Switch. You know, I can't imagine what like, you know, the the new age of game graphics where, you know, Monster Hunter World has like all the budget in the world and it, it doesn't have to worry about anything anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially and also no. it, in the modern age of Capcom, where it's like they will put budget to whatever project they work on nowadays, like. Uh, Street Fighter's getting this with six coming out this year. Resident Evil's been getting the budget now for almost a half a decade now. Um, Devil May Cry got it. I mean, it's only a matter of time before we see like Monster Hunter World 2 and it's like gonna bleed your eyes out how beautiful it looks. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, my friend that I played with, we were just like counting on the days till we're gonna be like fucked up over that game like <laughs> I like uh yeah so I love uh, I love that, I, I, love that. Oh, I mean obviously the Tomb Raider trilogy the reboot trilogy was your PS4. I, I love yeah I love those so I, I went back and played like some things that I missed uh from PS3 era like I played Last of Us obviously played uh the second one which is uh I think the greatest achievement in video game. Mm-hmm. It listen, um, I hope my show can make people see Last of Us 2 for what it is. Hey, and considering that the TV show is out now, uh maybe this will be the vehicle in which people will finally get it. Yeah, before the critically panned second season of Last yeah. of Us 2. Huh? <laughs> I I can see it, and I'm gonna be like you and me and a bunch a bunch of the people in the circle who our champions of last of us to be like this is the greatest tv season ever yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, uh oh 
GTA games, uh, starting with the PS2 era. I played all those. Mm-hmm. Love, love. Which one? Which one of the trilogy is your favorite? Uh, three Vice City, San Andreas. Oh, Vice City. That's my that, favorite. That's like the common answer. Everyone loves Vice City. I think uh, I think what people like Vice City the most is the soundtrack. That's true. It it does have a, a pretty much perfect collection of eighties music. Uh yeah. I think that's that's mainly it why people uh like that. And it has the whole like Scarface thing going on at the end. Uh, so And that was big of the time from what I remember. Everyone was like into Scarface or seemed to be. I mean, and I do think Vice City helped that whole thing. Um I'm still playing five. I like take time and then I'm just a person with, with those games, which is pretty much everyone where I just like to drive around and cause fucking mayhem. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean they're they're, great. they're like I like the mission. I'm like, fuck the mission. I'm not doing that. Like <laughs> Yeah. Do you see this ramp that I can jump off of? That's more fun. Yeah. Um I like in the new they let you just skip missions they're like okay you can just pass this one after you fail once they're like do you just want to skip and I'm like yeah let's do that (laughs) that should be a thing in some of these games it's just like are you bored Uh, hey you can skip this one big guy you don't have to fret much longer on that Uh, yeah I don't want to challenge anymore about video games I just want to experience the story and things like that uh, um just because I just I just don't have time. Uh yeah. It, I say that when I played Monster on a Roll for seven hundred hours <laughs> and like grind on that shit and like anything else. I'm like, nah, just let me win. I you know I don't I don't got time, but listen, when I have to beat a giant T Rex monster that eats another monster and then I get to go back to my village and have the the sh- the cat chefs make me something, like that's my shit. Yeah, man, I want to go to the Monster Hunter World Cafe where they make the food from it. Like, sounds so good. That's but one yeah. thing. I, that's one thing about Monster Hunter is I know that I know that specific cutscene with the cats, and it always is. It's like I I, I love the fact that mil- like seemingly I think I forget how many copies Monster Hunter World. So it's like almost like twenty million at least. So imagine like a bunch of like newcomers to the series just seeing that and you're just like wait what? Because <laughs> like nobody nobody before World was like a Monster Hunter fan. Now they are, and I just I, I love that image. I mean I knew about Monster Hunter prior to because Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker has Monster Hunter missions where you get to like wow. fight fight monsters uh, as as Big Boss and that oh, has. Cool. And that has just like a stupid charm to it that I just was like, well, I love that this just exists as a thing I can do in my military stealth operation game. Yeah. Oh, I completely forgot about Motor Gear Solid. I played that on PS1, played two and three, all that, and four, love four. Uh, Another four fan. Fitting because you know the the other four fan I have met through this show is Fogbrain, and you two are connected in my mind because of the Kari episode. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, I love that. I love that game. I love the two-hour ass ending. So great. <laughs> enjoyed. Really enjoyed that uh, a lot. Uh, and now nowadays, I you know, sorry, I'm bringing on the apocalypse, but I do be playing Genshin Impact. I don't care. <laughs> Like, <laughs> uh, I don't think I will. I I don't think I will ever be able to understand Genshin as much as I try. Like I, it just doesn't click in my brain, and I just see like anime little children. It's just like, yeah. But you know, hey, if <laughs> it's fun, then so be it. I guess. <laughs> well, what happened is my friend I played Monster Hunter with, and she was like, "Like, there's this new game, bitch. We're playing it." I played it like since the first day it came out. Um, and then you know, it was very, very fun giving money right back to China during pandemic. <laughs> uh, nobody texts were going right back to fucking China for my little like <laughs> like sorry, it's fun. Like it's, <laughs> it's your it's uh, it's your one thing. They take they take things from every single video game and just like provide it to you so you can make your own little like house and mansion and like all these things. <laughs> very fun, very fun. <laughs> but yeah, I am I'm riding on the top of the beast, bringing on the apocalypse uh, until Japan can come out with a good JRPG again. So well, I'm hey, sure. potentially Final Fantasy 16 looks to be that game for you. I, I'm hearing that. Uh, FF6 uh, people are involved with it, and that's my favorite Final Fantasy. So, there, 16, 16 has a lot. I've heard FS6 people are involved. I've heard people from 12, 12 and okay. 14 are involved. The combat director is from Devil May Cry, so it's automatically going to be amazing. Yeah, because um, I, I tried to play 15 and then. I only made it in a few minutes because they were like, push this car. And I was like, and then the machine started playing. And I said, absolutely fucking not. And I turned it off. I haven't played it since. I was like, I'm not pushing a fucking car. I'm sorry, dude. You push like, a, you push, <laughs> you push a car for 10 seconds. And Florence, I, <laughs> I know, but like the fact that that's how you open your game and Florence and the machine is bellowing her heart out like stand by me oh i just i was like are you kidding me this is final fantasy like you've already start you already wanted to like make me put the gun in my mouth yeah but no it was a it, my, uh, i i no i've count. said <laughs> i've said multiple times how like 15 is awful uh i and i've tried to play 15 twice i played it when it came out I got to like when you get the first summon in the game and then I stopped. I got so bored and then I tried again like if, like two years ago and I got to the exact yeah. same spot and I stopped playing again. Like it's I've tried my hardest with that game and I just it is one of the most boring experiences I've ever played and to, to the fact that people like that one is like insulting to me and the, you know it was recently voted the most like the 10th best final fantasy i'm like it should be 15th best final fantasy you know it, it is the worst by far in the entire series yeah, it's, always a, it's always a bad omen when when i downloaded it and it was like you could like soon as you start you can skip to the final area and i was like that's bad like no 
like that's a bad sign it's uh, that you just want to skip everything in the game and go right to the end like that means that shit is fucking abysmal fucking garbage it, so and i want to like it i like the concept of four guys on a road trip being being bros but yeah. you know that is the only thing that that game has to it and it should be an it should be an omen to people if a game is patching in content like for 2 years to make it better that should be the sign that it was bad from the start like yeah it was actually it was actually billy eichner bros and not what you wanted <laughs> yeah it's like at least it seems like 16 is rectifying all those problems. Like it's not a massive open world. They said it's like individual realms, as I call it. Uh, you know, the gameplay looks fun. The story looks e- exciting. It's the first M-rated Final Fantasy game ever. Like okay. the fact that the producer came out a few months ago and he's like yeah the game's gonna uh the the rating for the game is m because it has blood and violence sex uh hate crimes and racism it's just like oh man game of the year already <laughs> like you already have everything i wanted yeah i'm definitely gonna get that as soon as i get uh my little paws on a, a ps5 which is proved harder than uh well there I will say that they're in stores now. I have now seen PlayStation 5s in stores. I saw it at GameStop today, and I saw it at Target today. So they are now in the wild. Um, And I think the actual head of Sony is like, the shortage or whatever is over. Uh, So you can... There will be PS5s in stores now. Um, So that's good, because there's a shit ton of games coming out this year that I do not... Will not have the time for at all. I mean... Final Fantasy 16, Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2 uh, in the end of the year. Uh, Alan Wake. Like- oh, I love the first one. The first one's amazing. Uh, was it, was, not- it was my favorite game of 2020. Um, everyone hated it. Uh, they hate the ending. Um, not exactly true. I remember being afraid to be like, I don't like this because everyone at the timeline was like, this is amazing. And if you said something, it would be like, fuck you. <laughs> you don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you speak really good praise about Seven Remake Part One, people would get vicious at you because they're like, well, did you play the ending? I'm like, yeah, I did. And it's the best ending they could have done for that game. Uh, everyone, I like how it was getting <laughs> Uh, they thought it was going to be a Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I legitimately love it. I'm also a Tetsuya Nomura stan. Like, I love Kingdom Hearts. I love what he does with Kingdom Hearts. And so he directed it and wrote the first one, the first Seven Remake. So I love what yeah. he did with it. Thir- seven Remake is also proves to just a bunch of idiots that 13 was great because Seven Remake is just 13. It's literally Final Fantasy 13. It is linear hallways with not, no branching paths. You get shown these immaculate, beautiful vistas of Midgar. I mean, and it's made by a bunch of Final Fantasy 13 developers. So it's like, 
if you need if people needed proof that Final Fantasy 13 was act was great actually 7 remake is literally just proving that to everyone uh yeah. it I say I did like it um did I play it and get all the unlockables and do everything in it yes uh, <laughs> surely Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I just didn't like the uh, the combat system for me. Was uh, it's different? It's very different. Um, it, it's like Kingdom Hearts, which I wasn't exactly a fan. I'm sorry, um, but I did play it. So. I listen. I understand why people don't like Kingdom Hearts. I completely understand it because I used to be a hater of it until my ex boyfriend got uh, very upset at me for making fun of Kingdom Hearts, and I was like, okay, I'm going to finally understand this series. I'm going to try my best to understand it. And I did, and I became a fan, and uh, that's that on that. Well, I'm back. Uh, yeah, I, I, did, I did play the first one. I didn't play the second one. Um, and I that... watched um, a friend play the new one. Uh, two is yeah. the best, in my opinion. Two is, two is the best. Uh, three is a little sloppy i won't deny um the new one yeah three is the newest one albeit it's it's the newest one that people will care about the newest kingdom hearts is a is a rhythm game i'm being 100 serious oh i it thought is... i saw like screen grabs of it like being oh oh yeah and... they're they're making kingdom hearts 4 right now um and it's it's set in the real world, which is insane to say. Um, don't know how that's going to turn out. They just revealed a short trailer, and that was it. It's probably not coming out till like next year. But hey, I will sit my ass down and uh, learn, see what the fuck that little boy Sora is up to. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks cool. Uh, so I hope I hope the best. I hope Square turns it around. I have a good feeling. I mean, all Square has to get rid of Forspoken or whatever it's called. This like game that I like hate. Get that out this month, and then they, you know, Final Fantasy sixteen will, uh, will be the uh, crowning jewel. I think it'll be a glorious return to form for the series. Yeah, no, I'm definitely uh, getting it. I have. Uh, high hopes. So I hope it's not a uh, five minute play like a. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, hope. I mean, I pray that it's good. But um, I think that this is time that we transition to the first part of this episode, which is the female question in games. Uh, it is uh, everyone has their two cents about women in video games, female characters in games. Everyone, uh, whether if you're a libtard or conservatard, there's always an opinion about how women should be, uh, I guess, put on the game screen. Um, and, you know, this perfectly ties in because Laura Croft, I mean, hell, you know, she's the one, the only, the, the epitome you know, we nailed it in 1996. Like, we don't have to do anything else sort of thing. Uh, but, like, it's interesting to look at that era of games. You know, like, for me, one of my first quote-unquote, <laughs> it sounds so corny, exposures to a playable female character. I mean, Twisted Metal 
honestly gave me chances to play as female characters. Uh, uh, Resident Evil, I love the women of Resident Evil, like Jill Valentine, Rebecca Chambers, Sheva, Alomar, Ashley Birch, or not Ashley Birch, Ashley Graham. I got that confused. Uh, Ashley Graham, you know, uh, Ada Wong, like some of my favorite characters in games are women. And I think there is a, I think, I mean, I think I, I think I said it on Zach's show on the Resident Evil episode is that the girls have to serve boots, leg and twirl to be good characters. I mean, I, you know, we, we, the past decade, they've tried their darndest to be like depicting women as like strong, independent, don't need no man. They, they're going to pass the Bechdel test, a fake thing that is not real. Uh, mm. Like, you know, it's just the standard libtard agenda with like women, but it's like, no one cares about them. Everyone wants Laura Croft. Like right. she is the gold standard. She, the gold standard was made in the nineties. I mean, you mentioned your mortal Kombat uh, love. I think, you know, during the beginning and also before we started recording, I mean, you had Sonya and Kitana in those games, like equally important. I mean, Street Fighter Two at Chun Li, equally also right. as legendary. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what? <laughs> I guess what makes a good a good lady of gaming? Well, I think uh, Laura Croft uh, definitely did it just in that opening. Um, CGI scene where uh, she stands in front of the tomb in Peru with two huge bulbous ass cheeks in the middle of a snowstorm wearing literally nothing. Yeah. And you just knew that like this was something very different uh, in gaming and uh, you know just from that uh, she just became the goddess of uh, of gaming. Yeah, it's Laura is such an amazing tour de force character, and also because she's one of the few video game characters, male or female, that broke the video game layer. She became pop culture herself. You know, I mean, yeah. she A got celebrity. Yeah, she got two movies she got her first movie five years i think after the first game like mm-hmm. like even before that like mortal Kombat took i think about the same year and like sure sonya and you know those characters were on in the movie but they were not the focus uh not even like mario got a movie mario got a movie like eight years after he came out so it's like laura got a movie first like faster than any one of these other characters she she i mean <laughs> there's so much that she did in such a short time that no other character has even remotely gotten near like yeah. i i can't i can't think of another character that became everything so fast no and i i told you before that like um even my my fashion sense, like I bought, you know, oval mirrored gold sunglasses because of that bitch. Uh, um, you know, 
you got the kimono. <laughs> you had the kimono, yeah. kind of similar to her. Dude's one of the fucker. Like it was the first time, and it was just a complete like, uh, you know, culture, culture shock in a way. I mean, Laura it's so, yeah, Laura Bencroft. <laughs> I mean, it's so novel to say that like a female character, like you know, the the to play as a female character that like it sounds obviously so novel, but like Laura was the first one. That was the lead of a game. She was, you know, you only play it as her. The whole game revolved around her and her her adventures. I mean, heck, I mean, even the second game literally says Tomb Raider 2 starring Laura Croft. Like, she became the centerpiece of this franchise. I mean, obviously, but you came to the game because of her. Like, everything revolves around her and her universe that she creates and you want to be a part of you want to be on her adventure you want to live her life you want to be in the manor with her all her treasures and her her butler winston uh that you may you definitely put in the freezer um like she she's so she's a tour de force in a way that i don't think we will ever see but what's also nice is that she will always be an eternal force in games is that tomb raider because of her won't die she'll just adapt to the times sort of thing right and also the power of laura Croft was that she sold a system even though she was on every single platform but she was like the unofficial face of playstation Mm-hmm. Even though you can play her, even though you can play her on the Saturn, you know you can play her on PC. Like, no, that bitch was Miss PlayStation, <laughs> and, and that and that was it. Yeah, uh, she. You know, the PS One had no like. I, they were trying so hard to get a mascot, but it's like Laura. I mean, Laura became a part of PlayStation commercials. Like it was her, her Crash Bandicoot were like the two sort of mainstay faces of that platform, which says a lot from a, from a, from a game series made by like a, a, a team of five people basically in England were mm-hmm. just able to create with just a simple premise. We're able to sort of turn the industry on its head and create one of its lasting icons. I, like i'm trying to think of like all the sort of things i mean you you reminded me of the the album that was quote unquote made by laura uh female icon which i've been listening to obsessively for the last like four days i'm just like this is the amazing just club music as with like parts of the game audio inter interwoven into songs and Laura quote unquote Laura Croft is singing lyrics, you know, the the song Getting Naked as like the lead single. Uh I <laughs> so funny. like there's there's the perfume that's uh attached to her sort of I mean it's yeah. more about, more of like the movie tie-in with you know the Angelina Jolie movies but the fact mm-hmm. she had like a perfume to herself she was selling mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you go. Everything. 
Yes. Also, she had uh, a whole urban legend behind her about the new code. The uh, <laughs> that never happened, like, in a video game, and it was a very real thing. Like, people were ravenous on the early internet to, like, like figure out how to turn this bitch naked uh, in every single game. Uh, it was a... Uh, and it all stemmed from, uh, you know doing welcome to my house uh, and going in the pool. (laughs) I need to take these clothes off. And it was, there was some, you know, everyone just kept uh, ruminating and fantasizing about a certain like code you could put in to just see her fucking naked. And it really really outrageous. That happened in a a video game since. uh, You know, I don't, now (laughs) As an evil to like put Leon in a fucking thong and shit like that, but give him a tr- the tramp stamp. Wanted, yeah, people wanted to have Laura Croft in thirty-two bit fucking nude with her triangle tits. With her triangle tits. Yeah, ridiculous but, shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that was like like lore behind her. Like she became so huge that like everyone knew about that stuff. So yeah. mm. and I love that you know, the nude code, which the developers and the advertisers played into as it, I think it's Tomb Raider is Tomb Raider three where they had the magazine ad saying, Oh, there's everything you ever wanted, but still no nude code. Oh yeah. But um, they also, in the second game, there's that cheat where you can do it and then she blows up. Oh yeah. (laughs) That was the nude. And when you did it, you just fucking she just blew into a million pieces. It, it was actually a very funny touch from the uh, developers there. Uh, yeah, like, it's <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about that. That the blows her up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forget what it is. It's like step forward, backwards, turn around, like three sixty, like three times backwards jump press circle and she's going boom like (laughs) yeah and but i love that uh because you know like to have a game character become a sex symbol was so unique i mean that was the magic of the 32 bit you know the ps1 era and you know primarily on the playstation you know the N64 wasn't going to do that, and, and no one cared about the Saturn. Um, right. Is that the PlayStation was pushing the medium into new and exciting me- into new and exciting possibilities, and the fact that you had a female character with I believe I believe Laura's breasts are 34 DD. She has double Ds. She has literally a pencil thin like pencil thin waist with giant ass and she's doing somersaults and all this sort of stuff like that was something that made you want to go to playstation is because you 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 got the prime and purest tomb raider experience with laura on that platform and it kind of it's just like one little feather in the cap for that system outside of the other amazing things you could get i mean it's such a wonderful little moment that even even nowadays it seems so mundane to think that just this character did so much with you know a very uh, arguably a very simple premise 
and she right. she re she revolutionized the industry she allowed for so many other games to do the same thing and I, one thing i also love about laura is that no matter who you ask about her everyone loves her like the it's one of the few times where a character everyone genuinely just has this love for her where they just speak so lovingly about the sort of impact she had on her and not many like not ma i can't think of many franchises like the only one that comes to me because i'm just you know a metal gear fan is metal gear and solid snake mm. but laura has such a devoted fan base that like looks up to her as an icon you know I, it's very touching to see like so many people say how much that Laura is like this icon of like I can do anything like I'm I'm the girl power badass that can save the world and have my own rich mansion and get you know all this sort of just like you know it's it's very touching like because I see these you know I've seen these videos talking about like, you know, just people's love for the series. And you just see these like mountains of comments saying why like Laura meant why Laura means so much, much to them. And it's, I, I don't see that for any other character really. I mean, I, it's amazing and very sweet. Like I can't think of another no. character that has like, their own dedicated fan base in that sense. Because she was fully realized. Uh, before you even started the game, you go to her mansion and she walks you through. You see how she lives. You have everything. Like, And you don't even have to, you know, really start playing the game at all. Even just running around Laura's mansion itself is fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like the best. It's the, it's the best and, tutorial yeah. ever. Yeah, uh, a lot of games should do something like that. Um, there's nothing better than uh, snapping Laura's neck inside of her own home uh, or running her <laughs> on fire in her bedroom. Um, really great stuff. Um, yeah, but there yeah. wasn't any uh, like that. Also, in the sense, the uh, designers of her were very smart about it in the sense that, you know, if you need a picture of Laura doing anything, quite like Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian, there is a photo of Laura Croft doing anything. Uh, like CGI mock-ups of her in her office, at the computer, doing whatever. They, it, they just literally made her a person that was like a complete TMZ type celebrity where you can get photos of her doing anything. Mm -hmm. uh, also, all the advertisements they did. I remember the one on TV before Tomb Raider 2 came out where she's like signing autographs and there's just people all around. Oh, like, I love that one. Yeah. Like, it, it, <clears throat> it was smart and way ahead of their time about how to market a character like her. And they transcended shit and had her on like regular ass magazines. Mm -hmm. Like it was CGI. Yeah. Um, they saying stuff that you you would never see yeah it, obviously they had their live action model you know 
famous, you know, Rona mm. Mitra, who is, by the way, she looks stunning as Laura. Uh, oh, yeah. Which I, I love that. I think, I don't know if this is true or not, but supposedly she got plastic surgery to get her boobs like Laura's. Um, she, <laughs> and she supposedly took courses to get the confidence of Laura for interviews. Like, I love that Rona embodied Laura. Like, I so like, I need that course right now. I need someone to give me the confidence of Laura Croft. Like, yeah. Please. I, but like I love that Laura, you know the game, you know Laura Croft, the game character. You know it would have been easy for them to just plaster Rona as her across everything, and you know they could. But instead, Laura Croft, the CGI model, the game character model, is all you need, and that's how you get people to like her. I mean, there's that famous magazine cover of the face where she's front and center. Uh, like you said, there's she looks so good in it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a beautiful render, and I I'm glad you brought up the renders because there's so many amazing renders of her. Like the one of her in the business attire at the desk with the computer on the phone, uh, is one of my favorites. I love she she had her own like mini fashion like like renders of her in just various fashions, like one. There's one render of her in like this like yellow sweater in the cutscene from the first game going up the elevator. Like I love that one to death. Um they're all the ones are naked with the pillow, like uh, hugging. Yeah, yeah, hugging the pillow, or is the one where she's like on the red background in the black dress, like and she's I, it, it's so funny too in hindsight because the creator of the series Toby Guard was like I don't want I want to protect Laura I don't want her to be quote unquote taken advantage of it's like well you, you you're you're a sniveling little dork and it's like you've created arguably the big created the biggest character on the face of the planet and you just want to be like I just don't want I don't want people to have her hands on her it's like okay like I I, I what? people now like she's not yours. Let her go. Yeah, she's. She, you make Laura Croft and think you have to speak on behalf of her. No, she's gonna speak for you. Like it's like you you've created a like you've created this icon and she's going she's out of your control and you know she she's bigger than you will ever be. And sorry about it, buddy, but. She's gonna be on movie screens. She's gonna be every game like selling almost 10, 10 million copies. She's gonna be selling cars. She's gonna be selling Lucasade uh, in yeah. Britain. Uh, she's gonna be everywhere. And if you, that's like fucking so insane to me that like she like literally could sell everything. She was uh, you know just yeah. I mean in a sense. She, yeah, the perfect character made, you know, and you you were saying this to me before. It's like they made her in like ten minutes, and it's like it's like a magic like moment where it's like it's like a a brain, just like a lightning in a bottle moment. It's like you already knew how like it was like spoken to the people at Core Design of like what Laura should be, and it from there it just became magic and. 
you know, I think it's funny that like Toby Guard, you know, the protective sniveling little dork, uh, he leaves, he leaves Tomb Raider after the first game and she becomes everything she is meant to be. Uh, she has three movies. She's got, she's been, she has a three different timelines, quote unquote, of games exploring her. She's got, I think like 14 spin-off games, if I remember correctly. She has comic. Yeah, she has the the like that amazing comic series at which they they draw her fantastically, where she's like ripped and muscular, but still glam and gorgeous and cunty. It's funny, but those sunglasses, like uh, the sun <laughs> the sunglasses. Sunglasses, like I'm sorry, get you a pair of uh, oval mirrored gold sunglasses and uh be you know your best lord prof but they uh you know even bringing up that playstation ad they made her like a christ-like figure like you had oh yeah warcraft like she was above your bed with her twin pistols like as jesus christ like uh, you love and revere her really insanely marketing behind her um but you know marketing can only go so far and but you know she really connected with people and all people uh so uh, i don't know it's you know for me and you two gay guys it's like we see like this like stunning beautiful woman on screen it's just like yes bitch yes bitch like (laughs) and i think it speaks to our sensibilities that we wish for a return to this old Laura too, because I mean, I love the reboot series. They genuinely are fantastic games, but it's like, okay, I I've had enough of survivor Laura. I want, I want an older Laura with like, you know, a femme fatale voice again. I want her in her skimpy outfit. I want her raiding tombs and like, it'll sell a billion copies. Like there's no question about it. Like you, you can do your little survivor arc where she tries to become the legend or whatever, but if if you just put her in her twin pistols in her uh, baby blue uh, tank top and her shortest short cargo shorts, and yeah. that is all you need, you will sell like a billion copies. She will. I need her like when she's climbing something to have the most ignorant ass sexual like moans and grunts um, like those sounds i like the one where she's like, <laughs> like <laughs> which also feels deli- which which also feels deliberate like to make her make all these oh, like yeah. grunts and like moaning sounds like just doing like just yeah. getting up a ledge <laughs> 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 It's it's so again. Even when she like it's like, uh, like <laughs> or you know, getting impaled by spikes. Like, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, the 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 deaths in these early games too. That's something that not a lot of people remember. Is like you know there was also a fact that you wanted to like protect her in a way because. Yeah. They would be violent with her. 
Yeah, it was also very fun, the killer. And I think they took a lot of that from uh, Mortal Kombat in the sense that, like, the spectacle of death is actually very fun uh, to do in these games and that uh, it's very fun to, you know, miss a, miss a ledge and she falls and starts screaming before she hits the bottom and just, like, crunches. Yeah, she crunches uh, in the most, like, awkward and painful-looking way. And she's like has like just that one little sound effect that it's like like sounds like all her bones are breaking but that was a very big part of the game as well uh that made it successful is that you know you wanted to protect her but you also were vaguely fascinated uh well not vaguely everyone wanted to do things i remember in like several levels getting the save crystal saving and being like wow i'm on a really high ledge let's uh have her swan <laughs> <laughs> swan dive like head first and just see her like snap her neck oh i love the one uh, if you keep pressing a uh, circle she'll do a little like flip and then like do that and it's like oh perfect like girl you fucking kill that little <laughs> like... i mean obviously there's the the famous one in the first game where you step on the midas hand and she just turns to gold oh. it's like eh, eh. And then it just clumps over. Yeah. Uh, I know everyone has to do that. And even if you watch any type of playthrough of Tomb Raider on YouTube where people are going through, they do that death and then just cut away and then continue <laughs> to mine. But like you have to see that one. That's like the best, uh, that's the best death in, in the series. And you always have to do it. Um, and it's completely, it's like just they threw that in too. They didn't, it wasn't like part of a puzzle or anything. It was just like, oh, you're, it just assumed that you knew what the Midas legend was. And if you touch the Midas hand, like, it was just like, well, what happens if I do it? Like, it's just, it, it feeds your curiosity. Uh, also, the, 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 the anniversary version of that death is like terrifying. Like, oh, yeah, where, I do remember seeing where they, where they animate, you know, because they had this was on, you know, ten years after the first game, and it's a, it's a reboot of the first game, and you know they could you know animate Laura's face now. Uh, you just see her like in terror. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. I mean, that's the thing too is like the perilous journeys of Laura, like just made you in the fact that she could do all of this while somersaulting, backflipping wielding dual pistols and shotguns and uh all sorts of weapons like just that action adventure aspect of it is just like makes you love her more and i don't know like other female characters just don't really have that same thing i mean the like the one female character that i can think of the top my head that i have like any sort of like just you know, love for, and I know probably not a lot of people have is Faith from Mirror's Edge, which is funny because you never see her. You just see her hands and her feet. Like, there well, you go. Another driven thing was that Uncharted kind of side thing with the two <laughs> female, and I don't even I don't even know their names. Um, uh, Elena so, and Chloe. Yeah, well, they can't quite hit like. Uh, they can't hit like Laura 
like Sar. Yeah, they they like they split were... they split Laura into two characters in a way. You have like Laura's sort of like nice and like side, and then one side is the sex side. But it's like, mm -hmm. well, what makes Laura special is that she is both things. You know, she's not yeah. one or the other. I mean, I I love Uncharted. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think Uncharted ha Uncharted has a special place in my heart. You know, and developing my appreciation of games. But not that movie, though. <laughs> that movie is atrocious. <laughs> Tom Holland is Nathan Drake. No, ma'am. That that I can't not believe that fantasy. I can't stand him. He looks like his mouth is full of marbles. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just can't buy him as Nathan Drake. Like, no, like, like what? He looks perpetual. Five nine or five six. Well, delete like three inches from that. He's like a little munchkin. Yeah, he's a little munchkin that looks like he's playing pretend. Yeah. Like Nathan Drake, I don't even know who would play Nathan Drake to be honest. I don't know who's yeah, who's a know. hot Hollywood guy right now. Who's not Tom Holland, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you. Neither could I. I mean, uh, I I don't know. Maybe Nathan Drake is meant to be in games and not in movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, Meanwhile, Laura know. Laura can grace the silver screen multiple times. Yeah, Maybe, not with Alicia Vikander. Maybe not with Alicia Vikander. Maybe not with Alicia. Oh, no. Fucking so boring. Uh, huh. Actually, that's a fair question. I didn't get time to watch the Angelina movies. What do you think of the Angelina Jolie movies? Well, the first one's decent. At least it has a good soundtrack. Um, mm -hmm. That nice little Missy Elliott, Nelly Furtado, a little banger. Um mm -hmm. But it all uh, the movie kind of seems like a Angelina Jolie Easter egg because her dad's in it. It's very uh, a, a daddy daddy story. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it didn't really quite do anything with the games. I mean, I you know, good for it. It was a huge. I think it was the biggest movie that year when it came out. So good for it. It kept Laura alive. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> not that she needed it because uh, each. Uh, subsequent game that came out was uh just as big as the you know even though it didn't sell as much but, oh it only sold three million less than than like 20 million it's like oh come on that's like fucking huge <laughs> every was, uh, every game wishes to have more like you know? every... was bigger than uh the first one uh even though it probably sold less but you know it was still a huge mo moment in gaming and also yeah. changed the series, uh, and was kind of the uh, the height of those games in terms of like what they were able to do uh, with the uh, PS One engine. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, every game series wishes to have Laura's numbers. <laughs> like, right. even the reboot series sold over ten million copies. Like. Laura, yeah, and I said it was like kind of a flop, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Like, everyone kind of played those games, and they did really well, and they're not bad. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like I, I don't know because we're doing part two with that, but like I, 
thoroughly enjoyed those. Yeah, um, I, I'll save that for next week. But I mean, because I've been playing through the reboots this month, and they're genuinely just so much fun, and they avoid the easy thing of being like trying to be like meta or like in with the joke or saying like wow isn't it just so crazy that Laura Croft is you know you know just like this sort of sneering tone about her like it it very the reboot trilogy definitely comes from a place of admiration and love for her and I always got the feeling that the reboots are like trying to it feels like a bunch of fans trying to pay homage to her and it feels genuine and has a lot of inspiration and, you know, driven choices. Uh, I, I can't speak highly on them. Like they're fantastic. Um, but I'll save that for next week. But I think it's Laura is such, I mean, she's the icon, Laura Ben Croft. <laughs> it's like, they're really, you don't, there's so much to say, but you almost don't have to say anything because everyone understands why she's amazing, why she's important, why she's perfect, all this stuff. I mean, I really no other female character remotely comes to her her status, or in many cases, you could say even the game their games don't even come close to her games, like. She set the bar not only for female characters, but she set the bar in a lot of sense, like just games in general. Her games are just yeah. pushing yeah, the industry. Thing, one thing, like, yeah, of course, the marketing was there and she was like a, a you know, a celebrity, but she wouldn't if the games weren't good and the <laughs> games are fantastic. Uh, and so that is the absolute reason why she is the goddess of gaming mm -hmm. is that the games are actually very good uh you've talked on your podcast a lot about perfect games the original tomb raider is a perfect game they got it right from the beginning and that's that there wouldn't be laura croft wouldn't be as popular as she was if the original games weren't as good as they are mm -hmm. yeah i mean she also wrote the book on just third-person action games, action-adventure. I mean, when I think of the genre of action-adventure, I think Tomb Raider. Like, Tomb Raider, for me, wrote the book on that. Like, you have your thrills. You have your thrills, but you also have a sense of genuine adventure that, you know, she wrote the Bible on, I guess you could say. Like, she laid out the groundwork how to do it all and it's it's funny just how even some modern games don't even understand it to, to this day it's like no just, they just, just copy tomb raider yeah as soon as those doors close behind you after that first cutscene in the original tomb raider and there's no like music playing or anything you feel a sense of like being very alone and not <laughs> knowing what to do and no other game like can really get that atmosphere. And Tomb Raider had it because they thought a lot about the sound in the game. The oh, music's yeah. very um, The music only happens during a couple of times. The game doesn't hold your hand at all. Um, mm -hmm. It's 
literally, literally a, a feeling of being completely alone in these uh, places. Uh, and you can really like even the new gen games don't even do it correctly. They're, they still, even the new ones don't even capture uh, the feeling that you get uh, in some of these original games. Yeah, and I th I think I think I think the main lesson is in this first part of this episode is just simply Laura Bencroft. Like I don't think I I really don't know how to else to describe it. It's just you if you won't get if you don't get it you don't get it and you're just gonna have to learn to get her. You're gonna have to learn to get her importance and all that. And I I think this is just a perfect way to talk segue into the first of four games of tonight which is the original tomb raider Older moment. Um, he like whenever I'm on Zoom, he's like trying to get involved. Yeah, he has to. <laughs> he has to have a part of the show. <laughs> I am. I I was trying to figure out what the hell to wear for perfume for recording, and because Jack mentioned La Vie Belle, I'm just like, I will wear that tonight, oh. and I'm <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna reek of this stuff. It doesn't go away, and it's so nuclear pink juice. Oh, I love that though. Um, this mosquito bubble gum. I just bought it the other week, and it's like halfway gone because it just disappears so quick. Or I'm just becoming like uh, immune to it. But you know, I, I want to be. <laughs> I want to be like 
gentle with this because I, I I wanted like keep this forever because it's like one of my favorites now. But I don't know. I, I think it fits Laura. Laura. Laura Bencroft. Lava. I love watching um like British people do playthroughs because like lava, lava. <laughs> Laura Croft. Laura Croft. I cannot imagine if they had, if they had stuck with the original idea of her being Laura Cruz boot. It wouldn't have worked. Laura Girl, Cruz. Laura Cruz. Like, yeah, Laura Cruz. No, it doesn't have ring to it. Laura Cruz. I do. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know her. Honestly. But I love how this... I love how it just... A character named Laura Cruz and Laura fucking hates her. Yeah, she's the... the, the she can be the uh, imitator. She can be the, mm-hmm. the, the, bad, the, the bad guy of the newest game that's coming out. Be like, we have, we have the faker Laura Croft. Her name's Laura Cruz. Oh, they really need to like this new reboot. They really need to have like everything correct on it. Like they need to have everything right. I think they should honestly get a theme song like done by some like pops or even have fucking Nicki Minaj do a Laura Croft rap. Like, <laughs> like, I on like Laura needs to have like fun interjected into her. Yeah, and that's what they say. Um, would the games very, like. The new ones feel very kind of like I don't want to say it, but they're they're kind of depressing. Yeah, they're they feel it's weird too because I, I don't know. They, you don't Shadow. Have you played Shadow? Yeah, I've yeah, I'm playing Shadow right now. It's, it's you hate her. She's a cunt. She's <laughs> awful. Well yeah, she brings on the apocalypse. Yeah, and then she's like, but I have to do this. And I'm like, but like, everyone hates you, girl. Like, she gets to a, like a weird narcissist like kind of plot with her. It's strange. Um, yeah, it just didn't feel like right. Um, you know, I, I still is- enjoy it. <laughs> um, okay, I loved it, bitch. I like, like fucking 100% and all that shit. Like, got all the stupid fucking... I forget what they are, but you have to, like, fucking find everything. Um, it's a it. very like, weird... Yeah. It's a very weird way for that game to start, where it's just, like, Laura causes the apocalypse, and then she's like, well, I have to do this, Jonah. You know, yeah. I, I have to I go... Have to everyone in this little village died. I don't give a fuck. Like, and all these, like, weird Aztecs are here, or whatever they are. And she's just like, I don't give a fuck. I have to stop Trinity, Jonah. <laughs> like, I love Camilla as, uh, I love Camilla as Laura, but, like, <laughs> what? She's always shedding crocodile tears, too. I'm like, bitch, you don't give a fuck about these people. Like, shut up. Listen, you know, hey, she's got to care about these, like, no-name Aztec people. Yeah. Or, you know, in in Rise, she has to care about the, like, people in the mountains. Like, <laughs> it's... There's, like, like, 300 that come at you, and you kill them all, and then she, like, meets the girl that's, like, the head of it, and she's like, oh, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, hey, bitch, how's it going? 
I'm hey, on bitch, your, I'm... I killed like <laughs> I killed all like... these people for you. Are you gonna be my best friend? Um, we're gonna have like a little girl bond moment. It's interesting. Uh, I just <laughs> oh, Camilla's portrayal of Laura. I I think she does a good job. It just has like moments where I'm just like <laughs> interesting. You love um when you first started Shadow, where they come up with that like disclaimer that's like, oh yeah. <laughs> The developers here actually studied all these cultures here. So we, like, actually, like, if you guys are going to say, like, we're culture appropriating, you're wrong because we know better than you and we studied. Like, that <laughs> then was they, And then they proceed to have, like, all these, like, Aztec people, like, commit, like, violence. And, like, hardened monsters that come after you. Like, yeah. Like, and, hey, so Laura, gets to, Laura gets to wear an Aztec outfit at one point. Mm-hmm. Like... They don't care. <laughs> I, I, that that message was hilarious, and it definitely. I, I, remember, I was cracking up. I was like, "Oh, this game's about to be good, though." <laughs> I, I it that's a weird thing. I'll save it for next week, but it feels like the reboot trilogy is like minorly like uh, reactionary, like just minorly, like because the first game is extremely reactionary, especially nowadays. You know being so violent to Laura. Those game's almost like pornographic in, in a sense. You know? Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, but let's focus on let's focus on the OG for a little bit. Uh, so the first Tomb Raider uh, came out October 25th, 1996. Uh, uh, it was made by Core Design, which is a which was a small team in Derby, England. Uh, the The first game came out for a multitude of systems, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, it came out obviously for the PlayStation. It came out for the MS DOS. You know, the PC came out for the Sega Saturn. I mean, it's on a lot of things. I think it's even on your iPhone. Um, you can play the original yeah, on your yeah. phone. Yeah, which would be um, awful. And the original Tomb Raider, much like the four games we're talking about, they're very simple. Like they, they're very straightforward, simple premises. But what I love, what I've loved about these early games is they're very vibe centric. Like you know, uh, other than Laura herself and her adventures, like the meat of the game is taking place as she explores all these tombs and locations across the world, this globe trotting adventure she goes on. Uh, Like you said, it opens with her getting a job request from a woman named Jacqueline Natla, uh, the equally serving cunt uh, woman in the game uh, who looks like she's made of modeling clay. Uh, (laughs) Uh, listen, hey, baby's first 3D game, they're going to have some troubles with characters not named Laura, last name Croft, in terms of designing them. Uh, but uh, Natla gives her a task to find an artifact in Peru. And so you go to this tomb in the Peruvian mountains. Uh, it's, you know, freezing cold and yet Laura only wears like this hooded cape as she's like walking up a mountain with her like 
little uh, right. <laughs> her pe- companion who gets killed immediately by a bunch of wolves. Uh, and it, it just it, it goes from there. As soon as you enter the tomb, it just goes from there. And it's all about getting to the end of this very large tomb. The game is the way these games break down is that there's levels like there's main levels and then they are sort of broken apart into sort of smaller levels. And what I love about the Peru level is that it is practically like a perfect introduction. Like it is even for like a first attempt at like this style of game, this 3d action adventure game, the, the Peru levels are some of my honestly some of my favorite in the entire of these P, of the PS1 era like they're fan you know the cave the first level is like a great tutorial level outside of Laura's home obviously but you have obviously the lost valley which is inc- like I, I can't imagine what it was like to play that for the first time like not knowing anything about Tomb Raider and suddenly there's a level where there's just a level with dinosaurs. Yeah, well, I I didn't know about it at all. And then when the T-Rex comes, it is quite terrifying. Because <laughs> you're not expecting it. Um, in hindsight, I probably should have known because uh, it's one of the tallest zones. Oh, yeah. The but the, the ceiling where you don't see the ceiling, it's just like black void. Ah. I couldn't like uh, actually like render like sky or whatever, but it actually makes it better because it feels like you're like in some kind of like weird sci-fi area, um, which of course you would be because if there's velociraptors coming at you, you know. Um, but yeah, as soon as you see it, like you just want to fucking run. And I remember panicking, and could you have to find like a place to fucking hide from it? And there is a place that you can actually go and like shoot the thing from like uh you know the same spot. Yeah, yeah, but like it it takes a while because you actually did panic um mm-hmm. and that huge T-Rex comes at you. I like in the second game how they did a kind of like Easter egg to find uh two of them. In the oh yeah, game. yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but um that was a, that's um I would say one of uh in terms of Latest moments on the PlayStation One. It's that and the dogs crashing through the windows in Resident Evil One. Oh yeah, they're like on level of complete like fuckery where you just like you know couldn't even handle like what was happening to uh, what you were playing on the screen and really brought in why PlayStation was the biggest system, uh, I guess in my in my mind of all time. It. Yeah, the, the T-Rex scene, the Resident Evil dog scene, I mean, and those were in the first year of the PlayStation. Like, yeah. I know Tomb Raider is not like a quote survival horror, but to have a moment where like the sort of, because all you had been facing before then were just like wolves in the caves. Yeah, and suddenly you have T-Rexes and other dinosaurs in this yeah. lost valley. And it make it, it's such a great way to just say, expect don't expect anything there's going to be other situations we're just going to throw at you and you have to adapt and overcome and all you have with you are your dual pistols and your ability to just somersault and jump around it's 
one of my favorite levels in the entire series. It's, you know, it's one of the best levels I think any game has ever had. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's, it's a very concept. Um, you know, you got to find some cob wheels uh, to stop water so you can travel upstream. Yeah, it, it's extremely simple and it feels like kind of like at first it kind of seems like a busy work task, but they just like, hey, what if we put a dinosaur here? And it's like that it, I love that like Tomb Raider in that logic just like operates like that. Like there's just dinosaurs trapped in a Peruvian cave and that is it. And you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, And that and that's another oh, that's sorry. a Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. It's obviously sorry I'm drinking, so Me too. I didn't want. Um, but uh it was obviously the time of like the uh popularity of Jurassic Park. Uh and so there had to be some fucking dinosaurs up in this bitch. Like mm -hmm. it uh, yeah. I what I love though is that this kind of through lines through the rest of the game because there's only there's only three other levels in this game i mean three locations you have greece you have egypt which egypt is really short and then atlantis you know that because uh laura turns out she has to find the ski on uh from the lost city of atlantis uh and there's there's just a lot of great moments like my my other favorite moment from this game is when you get to atlantis and mm -hmm. you will Two, I guess I love the the scenario where you are you lose all your weapons and you have to fight the three henchmen. I love that. I love that sequence, and I think my arguably it might honestly be my favorite is uh the doppelganger fight. Um, oh yeah, uh, make the doppelganger fall into the lava pit. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it takes a while to figure it out because the controls are. Uh, in the original game are just like a grid system so yeah it's hard to like figure out what you do but when you do you know yeah you figure it out. but i yeah, was but the grid system i love it i love it, the grid system yeah once you understand that that's how the game operates it gets it's a lot easier to ingest like i will say like Anyone who is accustomed to video game controls post 2000, this will play weird to you because it's very, he it's very heavy. It's very dictated on Laura's animations because they hand did all these animations and they want you to admire Laura, like all the stuff she can do. And, you know, Laura's, mm. <laughs> Laura's very slow at things and or Bancroft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I will say that it is not, this is not a case of a game aging bad or the controls being bad. You just have to get used to it. You have to learn how it works. And once you a do, little... you, what were you saying? A little tanky. Um, yeah. But a little tanky. Yeah. Or is like a grid system, and like if you are able to make a jump, you will make that jump. It's not, there's no anything that's like really bad in the game. Die, yeah, it's probably just, yeah. Like if you think you can make a jump, then you will make that jump. It's not like the rules of the game aren't like 
broken or unfair. They're just, they're of a different era and they're, they have their own logic to them. And I, I will say that the games aren't like as pick up and play as something later on uh, in later generations are, but I don't think that any, not just this game, but like, I don't think any of the PS1 Tomb Raiders play bad. They're just different and you just have to learn. Um, mm-hmm. Now you can drunk play these games. I, I replayed uh, one through three with a friend and we were heavily drinking on it. Um, and we're able to do it because it literally is a grid system and if you do the jump, you can you can you can get through. Yeah. It, um, it's a logical based system. Um, there's no kind of like thing where like uh, you know there's no cheap mechanics in the game. I'll say that. No, the game never feels cheap. Like I will say later entries they start to border on cheap. But I don't, but you know, the first game does not feel cheap. It just is, you know, much, many games of this era, A, they just, you know, this was the era trying to figure out how to make 3D work. And Laura, I think she definitely worked. She nailed it at first. I think they just needed to tw- tinker with it a little bit. But really, yeah. it is not the, the main thing you have to i say that the bigger hurdle to overcome is just the textures all everything looking the same but that's not a fault of the game that's just you know they were on limited hardware um and replay uh super mario 64 you'll see the difference (laughs) yeah there's only amount of like cave textures i can take before like i'm just like okay i'm starting to lose my mind here uh, I can only see the same uh, Egyptian tomb texture repeated over and over, you know. It, but I think what makes about it, the Egyptian like the things I love the like in Peru, like the rooms that are just like straight skulls. Like, oh I yeah, love that. I love that. I would love that. Like for fucking Laura Croft, rich. Uh, I would have wallpaper that was just that skull, like. Mm-hmm. Bathroom or something. It would just be beautiful. It, it, the game just ha- it is gorgeous and uh, very iconic. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of iconic levels. Like, I mean, Pat- Palace Midas is another highlight of the game. Like, where it has that two structure level where you can like see things from where you started. Obviously, we mentioned the the Midas hand. Uh, death scene is in there uh there's a lot of just <laughs> there's really a lot of just great levels overall like the great That's pyramid level you all the like greek uh poseidon or everything uh and you're like really high up and you have to do each room to unlock like four fucking swords uh mm-hmm. to open them and that uh that level sorry i'm right now but it's fine I can't uh but that level is like probably the best one that uh in terms of set pieces of this game uh really fantastic yeah work that they did it's amazing to know that they were able to do what they did with such 
a limited hardware, but also really just not much knowledge. You know, they were doing this on their own. There was no like sort of predecessor game that sort of gave them a chance to experiment. They really just sort of got it from the get go. And I think the big like copying off of because no one had done something quite like this before. Uh, and they yeah. really nailed it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned like Super Mario 64. I mean, even they were making the game that, you know, they were making Tomb Raider while that was being made. So like even 3D movement had not been quote unquote sort of defined and understood. So, and yeah. the fact that Tomb Raider paved its own way to do it i think is an accomplishment and it you know for a small little english team to get that you know you know they're not like nintendo which had all the money and resources and knowledge this small little english studio core was able to just get it and make something so enticing and exciting i think speaks volume to just the talent and wherewithal that they had back then in 95 and 96 and right and they a studio like they pushed the limits of the playstation in the next uh uh you know three games to its limit uh when you do tomb raider 2 now we have laura Croft swinging ponytail we have a lot more environmental uh things going on we got in vehicles the third game, yeah, in the third game, there's like uh, weather that happens. Uh, it, it just by the end of it, uh, they really pushed the hardware of the PlayStation to its absolute limit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's yeah, but they were all, all of these, you know, one, two, three, last revelation. We can f- ignore Chronicles, even though Chronicles has its yeah. moments. Oh, it no, ha- we're not talking about her, we're not talking about her, she's in the corner. Yeah, uh, safe to say that Chronicles, uh, my review of Chronicles is that it exists. That's my review of it. It just exists. Uh, but we'll, I guess um, we'll. In the corner, and we're just not going to talk about her. She exists. Um, same with Angel of the, Darkness. The, the cover of the game is really uh, fucking fantastic, and that's what we'll just say about her. <laughs> Uh yeah, poor Chronicles. It exists. Uh, but I think what I love, I mean, this probably will be a recurring thing about these four games, is that I love that the sense of adventure is palpable and the sort of the you really do feel I mean, it's a common phrase when talking about games, like you feel like X, you know, you feel like the character. You do feel like Laura that you can overcome the challenges and obstacles, and you can, you know you feel as confident as her to make these perilous jumps or defeat these enemies or animals or monsters. It's wonderful. I mean, I think it says a lot that how the game starts you where you your your main enemy in the beginning of the game is wolves, you know these basic animals, and then by the end you're facing this like resident evil torso monster that uh is just crawling around and you know flying natla in the sky you know as like a resident evil bat character like i think that you know there's a great progression through the first game that 
reflects you becoming Laura Croft through the whole thing. And it's what, what a perfect uh, way to start this franchise. I mean, really it's such a great introduction. The game completely uh, lets you grow with Laura too, because by the end you're doing very intricate, like platforming jumps um, that are, way more difficult than uh anything else and by the end of it in the atlantis levels you're not only dodging uh boulders coming at you you're dodging magma you're dodging like swimming uh swinging axes uh, and being able to do very complicated uh platforming and the game literally uh you know kind of holds your hand and teaches you how to do those so by the end of it you feel very accomplished um <laughs> uh, <laughs> quite great by the time you uh finally uh are fighting the uh Atla, 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 Atla. um it, it's um it's a game where you feel like very accomplished at the end of it sorry i'm like repeating myself no it's time. fine we're going to be repeating ourselves because these four games are more or less the same thing but i think a great way to just cap off tomb raider is uh what an inch way to introduce the female icon and i think we can now move on to tomb raider 2 Woo! okay i remember for uh christmas and starting it and then my memory card like fucked up because i had well, <laughs> one of the I had one of those cheap ones that weren't playstation made oh no uh, Fuck my shit up. Uh, was already like halfway through, like kind of the Venice levels, and had to start all over. But probably for the better because, uh, yeah, those ones were uh, very different. You can uh, drive a boat. Venice oh, yeah. is great. <laughs> so, awesome. so yeah, yeah, Tomb Raider Two came out November twenty fourth, nineteen ninety seven. A year later. And the way I see Tomb Raider 2, it is it irons out the imperfections of the first game. Uh, as you mentioned, one one little just like thing about Tomb Raider 1 is that Laura didn't have her ponytail in game, and now she does in the game. Uh, now you have vehicle segments. You know, my favorite is the snowmobile. I love the snowmobile level to death. I, the song is incredible. Uh, where it like intertwine intertwines Laura's theme with this like banging like action theme, uh, but I think the Tomb Raider two, uh, it just kind of just it just takes what worked from the first game and just sort of makes it even larger. I think the fact that the game opens with the Great Wall level, which which in hindsight is kind of crazy because the Great Wall level is insane. Like it throws so many challenges at you right from the get go. Um, I remember thinking when I started the game that uh, someone new that didn't play the first one, you'd be fucked. Yeah, it, 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 it this game expects you of to like, play the first game. They literally are throwing like end level shit at you. You know, like there's spikes that are coming at you. You have to like hurry through things. You have to know how to like uh, drop in a certain way so you don't take like damage. Uh, yeah, it's uh, and also you can uh, before you get on the zip line, you can go down and fight two T Rexes. 
Yeah, if you uh, want. <laughs> if you're insane. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's a very crazy level. Um, and uh, what a way to introduce you know, the level fine. Uh, but that one really like threw down the gauntlet and said, like, hey, this game isn't going to be as like easy forgiving. and like yeah. It I like it, it though. I, I, I like the Great Wall level because it, it's a challenge right from the get-go and it, it in, a, in a way it kind of feels like a greatest hits collection of the first game in terms of all the dangers it throws at you. Uh, oh. But uh, yeah, the, great, the grand plot of Tomb Raider 2 is that there is a dagger in China that if a user stabs themselves turns them into a dragon and so uh, Laura has to, wants to get it uh, and there's a man named Marco Bartoli who wants to get it and uh, have an army and rule the world. It's very simple. It's almost non-consequential. I mean, it's it's just another adventure for Laura to go on, to go across the world. And I think what separates this game right from the get-go is those Venice levels. The fact that you're not in just caves and tombs and, you know, Egyptian, you know, burial stuff it's now hey now you're in italy in you know daylight in public and you're driving a boat through around the venetian canals and it feels much it feels very much like they're now embracing the sort of action star that laura has always been you know they're they're realizing the sort of indiana jones sort of uh inspirations now where Suddenly, it's no longer just about finding a thing at the end of a of a cave. Now it's suddenly finding something in a city and fighting something like in the ship in the in the Mar the Mariadora, uh, in the ship level. Like the concept of raiding tombs is not just tombs only anymore. Now it's like anything is fair game in a way and. I don't know, it's just Tomb Raider 2. I think Tomb Raider 2 might be my favorite, honestly. I think just okay. because it, it I think it's just because it does everything the first game does, but on a like on a bigger scale. And I'm, I think I just can't get enough of it. I I I feel like that's the very easy answer because a lot of people love to. I just, you know, I, I love I love just a lot of this game from you know it, it sounds so simple of adding vehicles to Laura's levels but it's just like I love that just thrill of it like it's so fun yeah it was the gradual like uh, you know thing that they needed to do next was the vehicles the boats were really fun the snowmobile was uh, very fun as well even though um, it's hard to control Awful to control when they're putting you like you have to like fit into like one little grid space and go over stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's make fun. like make ninety degree turns. Like <laughs> it's it's it, you know it's a choice. We'll call it that. It's a choice. Uh, yeah, but I, but I loved it definitely in in the sense that like you weren't not only fighting uh animals like in the first time, you're just fighting uh these like italian gangsters that are yeah. coming after you yeah it, it has they have you know like fucking whip laura in her face mm -hmm. <laughs> it it sounds so simple like but it i don't know it just adds stakes to it all like 
Tomb Raider 2, it finally feels like, oh, hey, now I can play an action movie at home, like sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And this, I also loved Tomb Raider 2 because it introduced uh, uh, Judith Gibbons as the voice of Laura, and she's my favorite voice of Laura. This very... She feels like, you know, the sort of noble aristocrat, but she's also got like this femme fatale aspect to her voice. And I think it just fits Laura the best. You know, Laura is a, she'll just get what she wants and she don't care what it takes to do. If she's going to mow down a bunch of people with her dual pistols, so be it. She's Laura Ben Croft. Or Bancroft. Um, also, I think that if you uh, put me in a life-size uh, thing of her maze, <laughs> I could find that key. I could find that fucking key. Uh, I love I, Laura's maze. One. Laura, uh, I feel like a lot of people would just like endlessly play her mansion. Like... So much to do on this one, because uh, they... Gave you the maze, and you got to open something, and then you go in her basement and see uh, all her things that she's collected. Uh, the obstacle you know, course. Yeah, yeah. What, what were we talking about? Two Murder Three. That's the best uh, Laura Croft mansion mm -hmm. that was ever. Uh, yeah, uh, Two Murder Two. Also, those last couple levels are some of the best levels that they've done in terms of uh, feeling accomplished about completing them. Because they have some of the hardest jumps and hardest platforming that you could do. Uh, climbing up a ladder, doing a backflip, turning in midair, and then grabbing the other ladder while avoiding like swinging blades that are trying to like knock you off of it. Very satisfying. Oh, yeah. I, I love the. That's another thing, just like the acrobatics lore you have to accomplish with Laura. Like, like, I, I think even, like, the first game kind of set, like, a good standard, but, like, Tomb Raider 2 just takes it to another level where it becomes, like, really stressful to just nail these all correctly in a row and knowing and knowing which moves you have to do mm -hmm. all in a row. Like, you know, Reboot Laura ain't going to be doing these, like, backflips and somersaults, and I love that about old Laura is that She's just kicking and flipping and effortlessly like climbing these like ginormous structures. Like, like one of my favorite levels in this is the um, it's after she falls down the trap door to get the the dagger, and she has to like yeah. go back to the middle, and you see yourself going up the the plat up the pit. I love that one. It's such a great way to know it's like okay, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. You know back up to where I need to be and it's such like a thrilling platforming challenge like the chi the 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 china levels that you get to in the end of the game are just superb yeah the floating islands is uh oh the floating really that is amazing i love the floating islands with like those gem like the jade uh just those, like these like jade color structures just like everywhere like it's so cool it was their take on the Atlantis levels uh, in the first game to make something uh, a little crazier and metaphysical and like fantasy, fantasy land for Laura to explore. Yeah. 
in a weird way, it kind of reminds me of like levels in Spyro the Dragon. <laughs> like, just like these magical, like outside of reality realms. And still, it is with your sort of under, with your skills that you've learned through the game, you're able to sort of just conquer every set of challenges that is thrown at you. And again, because it's, it's just a repeating thing about these games. It's like, it's just fun to control Laura. It's fun to see her be confident and tackle anything thrown at her. I mean, heck, the game does the whole disarming you thing again. But it's just like, well, I have the experience. I can take this down, no problem. Sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it, yeah. The statues come to life is actually, like, pretty scary. Oh, yeah. You're, like, in, you're in that level, like, for, like, two seconds, and then all of a sudden you see something in the distance, like, flying towards you, and you're like, who the fuck is that? What is that? Like, <laughs> I think of the bird, the bird statue, the bird statue guy in the Tibet level, uh, the ice palace. I think is where that's in. Like, ah, this so many just great ideas thrown at here. And also, another thing I love about Tomb Raider Two is the ending, where you have to do the final battle against uh, Bartoli's men at your home. And Laura's in her her blue kimono doing the same moves with a shotgun. And yeah. it's at it's... finally it's that locked door because when you're at our mansion, there's a locked door right beside her bed, and you're like, I really want to get in there. Like, what is that? And then you finally get to open it at the ending. It's so good. It's so reward. Like that whole final level is just kind of it feels very congratulatory in a way. It's just like you yeah. did it and now we get to have a level inside the you know her manor, which feels appropriate considering everything. And it has arguably the my favorite moment where she's about to shower and she just looks to you as a player. It's like, don't you think you've seen enough? And then she just hey. blasts you away with a shotgun. It's so harkening yeah, back to the new code. Like I'm just like, oh, you're about to see this, you know. Guess so guess good. again. Guess again. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna get your cheap thrills, gamer. You get, you have to respect the lady. Yeah, yeah. My favorite thing about that final episode, though, is uh, still doing the glitch code where you uh, kind of position yourself a little like diagonal, and you can like skip up a floor. <laughs> so I would just, oh, I would just be on her walls and just shotgunning everyone down. And then I drop down for the final boss. So funny. Uh, I I love your ingenuity there. I I never knew that about the game, <laughs> so I was just like, well, you don't. No, I didn't know about it. Okay, so uh, in the first game and the second game, you can kind of like position yourself a little bit like diagonal on like <laughs> legs that have something above them and when you jump up it kind of like levels you like no clips you through like the floor and, and puts you up above why did i know this this would have made it so much better <laughs> to get outside of hearing barcroft's like a manner in the in the second game you can actually go outside of the gates of her house 
I've seen those videos. I just didn't it didn't process that I could do that in the levels. Oh yeah, yeah, you can do it in the levels. When you watch uh, like speed runs, people glitch all throughout the game. Um, <laughs> uh, seconds. Uh, it's uh, really fun to watch because you can actually do it yourself. Uh, yeah. I think there really isn't a whole lot to be said about Tomb Raider 2 because it's just the first game, but better, I guess you could say. Uh, it's a fantastic game, you know, I, but much like these games, it's just, you know, I love, I love these games. Like, they, this is the thing is like, I, I genuinely have, like thinking about these are just such fun trip down memory lanes for me. I remember a friend of mine, she had a sister who was a huge Tomb Raider fan and she would cosplay as Laura. And that's sort of how I got into all this. And I, I loved hearing stories from her, like my friend's sister. I, I love hearing her takes on the series and all that. Like, so this is just, this feels like a culmination. I was just, I thinking about these games for the last two weeks, it's just been making me <laughs> legitimately making me happy. <laughs> uh, but what's that? How could you be happy? The final boss in Tomb Raider 2 is like one of the coolest boss battles. Oh, the dragon. Yeah, yeah, that's blowing like fire at you. So yeah. fun. And, and you know, it, 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 yeah, again, it just takes the sort of the Natla boss and makes it, you know, like the, uh, it's just, you know, bigger and better in every single way. You know, I'm, lo I'm looking at my Tomb Raider 2 case. And I just love that, like, on the back, they highlight, you know, Laura in her bikini with a, with a submachine gun, uh, Laura in her winter jacket and in her submarine outfit, in her scuba outfit. Like, they knew. They knew, you know, the alarc. It's oh, also scuba, the noises that the scuba enemies would do is haunting and so scary. Oh, yeah. No, it's just. Ah, I love I love Tomb Raider too. It makes it such a fun time. I think we've exhausted it, so I think now we move on to Tomb Raider Three: Adventures of Laura Croft. When you finally get a choice of what you need to do, yeah. So you know, so Tomb Raider Three came out November twentieth, nineteen ninety eight. So this was this was a big shift in a way for the games because. The last two games, they went on a linear track. You know, you went from one level to the next. But Tomb Raider 3 introduces choice. So you can, after you do the first level uh, in, uh, in India, then you are presented with three levels to pick from. So you have the South Pacific, Nevada, and London. And you can pick what order you would want to do them. Uh, and... I don't know how you feel about this, but I think Tomb Raider 3 is the hardest one of the series. It is Well, honey, there, there's Aldwich, <laughs> which is one of the hardest levels in Tomb Raider history. It loves... Uh, <laughs> that one's tough. Yeah, I mean, there's some it's hard... 
if I had Subway. <laughs> Bloodsgate, Aldwich, uh, Madubu Gorge. Uh, there are some brutal ass levels in this game. Like Nevada's the best. Nevada is the best, and I, I honestly think that is the one you should play at the start because it has the disarming. It has the you know the now the the traditional disarm Laura moment, and I think you need to play the Nevada level first because you know if you amass your weaponry over the other two levels and then you do the disarming level, it becomes frustrating. Lose everything. Um, get them back, but not all your ammo. Yeah. So. Yeah, if I were a gamer, do the Nevada level first when it gives you the choice because I think it's for the best. Uh, it'll spare you. There's only three levels on it. Um, yeah, it's the shortest. And it, I mean, one of the best ones in the in the series. Yeah, I love the the prison break where you get to use the prisoners as to help you defeat the guards. Like that's such a brilliant idea. It's the even if it's painful, if you don't do it first, I love that idea. It 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 just is like another. It's they realize that they do the disarming, uh, level in the series. So they're just like, okay, well, how do we make this even more interesting? Well, we'll just like have you use AI against AI, and it's right. <laughs> it's such a great idea. But the two one where like uh, you can't shoot the monks and the Tibetan foothills levels uh but, but it's very hard to not shoot them because the you know it auto aims the people and it aims towards the monks and when you shoot the monk they'll start fighting you the entire way through uh but you know, yeah that is yes. that really uh, yeah the tomb raider 3's basic thing so it, this is the one where they started to make the story a little bit bigger. So Laura is in India and she meets up with this, uh, she meets up with this uh, professor named Dr. Willard, who's trying to find fragments of this meteorite uh, that were part of these explorers on Charles Darwin's ship, the HMS Beagle. And so Laura has to find these three artifacts across the world uh, and then go to Antarctica uh, to, uh, you know, to give it to him. Uh, that's sort of the premise of the game. And yeah, this, this game is brutal and cruel at times, at least for me, but I still love it. Like I love, there's some of the best like level, like just atmosphere of the series. Like, the South Pacific level, I love just the sort of deep jungle forests. Uh, like that, like it's one of the most striking things that you can see on the PS1. Which one? I saw you cut out there for a second. Sorry, uh, the South Pacific level, the first one. Oh, Coastal Village, which but you have, and you have like two ways to approach that. You have the you have the more harder one and then the easier one. Like this game is all about like giving you options to uh, tackle objectives. And I love that. Like it's, it's a, again, another little mundane thing in hindsight, but like to give players even more choice 
to tackle things, which also means the game can be even harder. <laughs> like this game is can be brutal at points. I mean, y- you and I were talking about the Antarctica level at the end with the the mine cards. Oh, I hate that one. That Awful. that's that's almost just cheap. That's this is like I feel like part of this. This is when the series starts to get a little like starting to get on the cheaper side, not in like budget, but just sort of like eh, maybe they didn't fully think this idea through moment kind of thing. Yeah. You have to hit it to go some way. Sometimes like it just didn't work, and then you're dead. And then and they also don't tell you how the minecart works. Like you just have to yeah. figure it out. That was the worst thing. Like even worse than the kayak. Um, but another like awful thing about the uh, kayak level is that awful drop where they like literally you have to have full health, and if not, you'll die. Mm-hmm. It's oh. <laughs> this game is this is a game's a bitch. <laughs> like <laughs> there's unnecessary moments, and yeah. The kayak being the worst. Um, the kayak's the worst, but, but like, then they give you like the Nevada level, which is like one of the coolest levels in the series. Like you have like that, then the Nevada desert level where you're just in the Grand Canyon or whatever, and you just see all these stealth bombers flying overhead. Like, it just adds to a so, lot of just great atmosphere of the game. Like, I know that the London level, the London level can be like again a bitch but i love like those when you're in the underground uh i love just the atmosphere of it just feels so dark and dangerous down there uh mm. like the south pacific the as we battle. this last battle oh yeah fantastic it's yeah. wonderful <laughs> and i don't know, like two Raider three you, I don't know if I'm. I'm not sure how what the general consensus about three is with fans because everyone talks about one two the most. Uh, yeah. But I would dare say that Tomb Raider, even though I have my issues with it, I still love it, and I love when the when Tomb Raider three hits its highs. It's some of the best moments in the series, but then when it hits its lows, it's at this point it's some of the worst. Like, and honestly, it was okay for me because it was, the lows were Antarctica. Yeah, I mean, but I, I had a great time all the way leading up to Antarctica because uh, that's what it got a little cheap. Yeah, uh, which kind of feels like a bad omen for the rest of the PS1 trilogy. Like, this is where they were kind of getting tired with Laura and the Tomb Raider series. And you really start to see that, like, their idea, they're starting to run out of ideas and they're not fully thinking some of them through. And I don't, it, in hindsight, I think this game is definitely better because I think the general review numbers for this is like, this was the first one I think started to get like seven out of tens. But, like, but like and it it continues to raise the bar with the atmosphere the levels the set dressing again laura come you know uh 
Judith Gibbons reprising the role again. She's fantastic in it. Like they're continually improving Laura's character model, being more detailed and all this stuff. Like this is yeah, like Oh well, yeah, where where she's in her in her camel pants, uh, which I can't like remember the exact I can't remember the exact line, but when she crashes the ATV and the guys pick her up uh, when she's unconscious, and she's like, "Why you this chick's wearing hot pants?" <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, totally pornographic. She's wearing like a white sports bra. Yeah, <laughs> it's too good. Um, yeah, some of the best, some of my favorite looks of Laura. I mean, I love the the yeah. Antarctica jacket. Like that's a that's a serve mother, that's a mother moment. She's uh, mothering all. The South Pacific is the one where she goes for the sports bra look, right? That was the first time that they brought that out. Yeah, and then uh, there's that cool little moment where you get to be like, like Duke Nukem and just like fuck it, have a submachine gun and like just mow down a bunch of like uh, raptors coming at oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the, in the South Pacific level, there's the one set piece where you get to man the turret. Like... Yeah, yeah what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, it's... All the raptors. Yeah, which so. feels very appropriate considering that Laura and Duke were like the two big figures of gaming at the time. Yeah. Uh you know, I love this like hypersexual female and hypersexual male are like dominating games at the time. It's like it's a works, it's a slay moment for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of what else to say with in regards to Tomb Raider 3. I mean, it's and that's the problem too is like so all these games kind of play very similar to each other so there's not really a whole lot of difference between all of them you know but yeah i would say this is the first tomb raider that i would almost recommend people have a guide with them for some levels definitely very difficult and there isn't kind of like a way because there's like two certain ways of and doing some of the things. Uh, also, the quicksand is awful. Oh, yeah, the quicksand. I forgot oh, about the quicksand. Yeah, you'll just fucking die uh, if you don't know where to, like, walk. Well, is, like... is the, this is the one where the level has, like, the, the water, and then later on it gets filled with the quicksand? Is that the one? Is this the game that has that? Where like, instead the game the the game's like, oh, if you're trying to cross this path, that if you go through the middle, you die, but you have to just hug the side. Is this that's yeah. three, right? I can't remember. You have to hug the side and be able to walk out, and you're like literally about to like drown, and then you can finally like just put yourself up. Yeah, the- and you know that that's granted. And then it- also with uh the stupid wasps oh uh, oh my god the wasp i want to sh- that was a controller breaking moment for me when i first played i was like are you ki- these wasps that infinitely spawn and sometimes are out of aim out of view of your auto aiming 
So it's just and like not platforms, quite like uh, uh, flying things in Atlantis in the original one, which was infuriating. It's uh, yeah, the the wasps really are really just cheap. This is that's a cheap moment, and I'm shocked that they let that through. Like just having an infinitely spawning enemy that can not knock you off high high areas of the game, and then making you do it all over again, like yeah, that feels cruel. It, this almost has like the Streets of Rage three effect, where it's like they made it cruel so that more people would rent it because I think this is also one of the longest Tomb Raiders. Like it can't like I looked up how long to beat, and I think three is the longest to beat. Like. I think on well, the app- levels are very, very long. Usually, like a big tumor or a level will be like 45 minutes. Some of these are longer than that because uh, you'd be like having to use vehicles and they're super out of control and you'll die a million goddamn times before you get the controls right. So, yeah, you know. it's this yeah. is where the series starts to get it goes from the tough but fair side of the scale and it drifts very close into the cheap scale and I'm just like I want to believe that this was just a uh, an oversight but I could see them making this difficult so that more kids would just rent this longer and longer and just giving them more and more money like, <laughs> it's like but yeah I think Tomb Raider 3 still I th- it's it's cruel but it's fair like it's still a gr- a good game at its core. Like, oh, I love that. I I love the ideas that it throws in. It's a great way to spice up the formula. And again, Laura is perfection. You know, you get you can't go wrong with this era of Laura, and she's still at the top of her game, so to speak. I mean, I there really wasn't anything coming out at the time that was on her level on the PS One that I could think of. Like she still owned third person action adventure. So she was allowed to have some moments where maybe it wasn't the most fair, quote unquote. <laughs> can I pee real quick? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, let's just, and the, the, we can just break into the last revelation. But the next okay. game is Tomb Raider Last Revelation. I'm sorry, I like really urinary. No, that's fine. We've been drinking. This will be another time. I can just talk to myself, maybe. Tomb Raider is fun. It's funny, too. I'm watching... I have Steven's video on, and he has a playthrough of Tomb Raider going on in the background. And it's, like, mesmerizing not to, like, just watch that at the same time just seeing all the sort of thought processes that person is going through to like navigate the maze it's very just getting the vibe of it all I just there's nothing like Tomb Raider vibes and being alone in these environments and you're still mother doing it all.
He's coming back. All right, uh, sorry. That's fine. I was just talking to myself, so <laughs> this this will be all included. <laughs> it's been like I just like mesmerized by the playthrough going on in the background. Oh yeah, and this uh skating uh dude that's very reminiscent of uh the uh never start three fight with uh I think who it was. Like all these like pillars and stuff like that. It was quite like that fight. I can't believe his name was. He had like the flamethrower and shit. Like that. Oh, yeah, the end. Yeah. Or not the end, the, oh, yeah, the yeah, fear. Yeah. No, I can't remember. I'm, I'm like, I've drank too much. So I'm like, all the enemies of Metal Gear Solid 3 are kind of blurring together. The end is the old man, the fear, or the pain. Uh, It's the fear, the end, the pain, and. Why am I blanking on the fourth one? I'm a fake <laughs> fan. The one. You're enjoying it. It's fine. Yeah, Tomb Raider wrote the book on everything, and everyone's just copying her, co- copying Laura to some extent. Yeah. Oh. It's just, it's just, I was saying, like, it's just such like, a vibe to get in that sort of zone with Laura. Like, just navigating these puzzles, all like these labyrinth stages. And it's like, just what, like watching someone who knows what they're doing. It's just like, you know, that they've memorized this game down to a, a, you know, the littlest detail. It's just so fun to watch. It's fun. Like Tomb Raider is fun to play, but it's also fun to watch. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I love watching all playthroughs of people doing stuff. So fun. Um, because, um, again, we've talked about how hard these games are to get accustomed to the controls. So, yeah. Yeah, if you're not in the mood to play them, I you know recommend playthroughs because they're only like a few hours and you know you get a sense of where people are going. And if you're lost, you can just pull up the part where this person is. Um, but the last game of tonight is Tomb Raider. The Last Revelation. It was the fourth game of the PS1 era. It's uh, released on November 22nd, 1999. Uh, I know you said this is your favorite. And I don't know. I have like a torn relationship because I just can't stand the Cairo levels. (laughs) Like, It gets a little bad, but um, the opening introductory levels uh all in egypt are the best the series offers the best um you know the best atmosphere of them oh yeah i mean in terms of atmosphere and graphics and everything this was just again like they kept raising the bar with every entry and this really feels like a them showing off what they were what they have learned over the past you know three years and like uh, in the King's Valley, like there's, or is it the King's Valley? There's that one level with the red sky. Like yeah. that, that is stunning mm-hmm. to see with the Sphinx. It's a, the one with the Sphinx and you just see the Sphinx with the red sky. That's like flowing in the, in the sky. It's, it's unsettling and it's beautiful at the same time. Like the Tomb Raider really, like the levels, the 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 way in which they 
separate each level and make them unique is wonderful. Like there's so much attention to detail to these levels in, in Rat last revelation, like the city of the dead level is also stunning or like I think of Mastab is it Mastabuzz or something? I can't remember. But like or even the level where you climb the pyramid as much as that one is really really hard for me to do for some reason <laughs> like climbing a giant pyramid is like wow that's still that, that is a cool idea like yeah yeah but the the game also like kind of harkens to the like new generation in terms of the levels like you can go back and forth between them and you do have to go back and forth uh oh yeah them, so uh it just like was a, a game that just felt like um ahead of the time almost or pre like ahead of the time and also a precursor of things to come yeah but also it just like um it was one game where i felt the same type of helplessness as in the first one of being completely lost uh because the game has so many uh goddamn items you gotta get so many puzzles you have to do so many things that you have to go back to kind of levels where there are like three different levels to mm -hmm. uh, do or you can finally like go forward um yeah definitely a game you die for uh because i don't know how you would be able to figure it out <laughs> yeah I, last last revelation yeah. has some just brilliant idea i mean I said this, I made a post about this like the other day. Last Revelation did the set piece train train level 10 years before Uncharted 2 did it. Sure, mm -hmm. it didn't have the graphical fidelity and spectacle and awe that Uncharted 2 has, but Tomb Raider did it 10 years before on the PlayStation 1 with the, the Desert Railroad level. Uh, yes. That Great level. Fantastic level. It's so cool. Like, so on the play. Yeah, it's the ideas here are really just fantastic. I it really feels like cuz you know this is the game where they I think they originally thought that you know I think it's well documented that they thought that they were killing Laura with this game. You know, like this was going to be the last one. So in many ways it feels like they were just getting everything they could out of them and trying to put every single idea that they possibly could to give Laura every, you know, her final farewell. I mean, uh, you know, this game, uh, it's the first time we get a flashback of her younger self with Werner von Croy. Uh, the example that replaced the mansion. <laughs> yeah, this is the one that takes the mansion away. Which, oh, yeah, bad choice should have had another mansion level but uh yeah the, the whole setup of this game is that laura exploring this egyptian tomb of set and she removes the the amulet of horus and she unleashes set and she has to figure a way to uh be able to lock set up and she she's entangled with the story, you know, Werner von Croy, you know, one of her her a childhood mentor of hers, and sort of her trying to seal away this sort of ancient power uh 
in many ways it feels very pure tomb raider because like the emphasis on all these egypt levels feels very like i know and i know like tomb raider is not exclusively like an egypt set series but like that just feel like if for tomb raiding the concept egypt feels like the best place to do it in a way it felt correct for her yeah. to come back to the uh, and some of the gameplay aspects are really great. All the uh, things where you remove things and a bunch of scarabs come out and you have to run and put things into things so that uh, these unbeatable enemies uh, <laughs> can be subsided. It's, it's actually like, uh, you know, the best thing they did in terms of gameplay uh, to heighten your sense of adventure. Yeah, um, it- Oh yeah, I mean Last Revelation feels epic in scale and you really get a sense of that from all aspects of the game, not just gameplay but like this is the best looking the CG cutscenes have looked this was the first time they actually, I mean granted it's very archaic but like in game when they have the gameplay, you know the game has like the the in game cutscenes and like the characters mouths are moving now instead of doing the bobbing up and down like to simulate oh they're talking like that's a you know people forget that's how they used to communicate characters are talking is having their heads going up and down uh but now like hey these character models have like mouth opening and closing uh sprites on them now like like it, it feels properly like the culmination of these three you know two raiders one through three and it feels just right you know the you know the weapon count feels giant in this game you have like the pistols the shotguns the uzis the revolver grenade launcher the crossbow which albeit i don't i didn't really have much use for the crossbow oh no the explosive arrows were what you needed well yeah but like (laughs) i guess what i'm trying to say is like uh the Laura's arsenal feels at its biggest and largest and, you know, fully realized sort of thing. Uh, There's a, you know, they added the ability where you can like switch between automatic and manual targeting for gunfights now. Like it feels like every little bit and Bob that makes up Tomb Raider had been, had reached its climax and right, there was, oh, after this uh, and until, uh, you 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 played this when it came out did you think laura was dead and gone at the ending i think that's just because that's the big thing is like laura's fate is left in question when she gets trapped in the in the pyramid of course not laura ben fucking frog. <laughs> she's, not, she's still a moneymaker like she wasn't dying uh, and, and of course, right after that, there was Chronicles. Uh, <laughs> so it, Chronicles. It, uh, it, like, for me, it was for me it was like just kind of a gimmick uh, to be like, yeah, she's dead. Oh come on! Like, why would you do that? It it feels so quaint that like core design thought that they could like stop making Tomb Raiders with this decision of like leaving Laura's fate to be in question, and it's like. Are you who you fucking are you kidding me? It's like you're gonna make more. 
tries you might to kill her off. Like you're going to make more, you're going to make one for the PS2. You know, that's right around the corner, guys. Like got to get started on your PS2 Laura Croft game. Uh <laughs> you know, Chronicles ex- <laughs> I I can't help but like just like laugh about Chronicles I'm now. Not. We're just going to act like it didn't exist. Um it has one of the worst. It has one of the worst levels I've ever played in the series. Uh, the old mill. I despise the old mill level to bits. I play as sixteen-year-old Laura again. Uh, the the only bullshit um, that happened in the thing. Uh, the spikes were crazier. The pitfalls were nuts. Or you know, it was. It feels so properly, you know, epic in scale. Like the stakes are higher, you know, whether it be from the gameplay or the fact that like the main enemy is someone Laura knows from her past, you know, her younger life. You know, the visuals are grander, the atmosphere is more dripping and, you know, style. It just feels like a culmination of ideas and I feel like if this had been the last PS1 game, I think people might have probably viewed this higher in regards. You know, instead it's like viewed as the bookend of Chronicles. And then then we get into Angel of Darkness, which is like another can of worms in of itself. <laughs> but I would say this is definitely the hardest Tomb Raider. If people thought Tomb Raider 3 was hard, Last mm-hmm. Revelation is Literally, uh, you need to really have your like hard hat on of like how to fucking raid these goddamn tunes, because uh, you know you can't do level skip, you can't do shit like that because there are items that you have to get while you're going back and forth through levels. You can't just like do that um, because if you do like try and cheat, the game like gets you stuck. Because you don't have certain items, and even doing cheat codes will not let you like have those items. So uh, it's a game that actually forced you to play it through all the way through, and you can't cheat. So you know, yeah, <laughs> this is you told me this is the one game where the level skip doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, so you know. Yeah, you yeah. you you better not have been cheesing the game earlier because now you have to. It's like the final test. You have to yeah, put everything. <laughs> uh, when you actually like beat the game, it actually feels really uh fucking wonderful. And I know that they said that she's dead, but whatever, she can't die. Legends she's can't die. she's dead in quotation marks. Legends she... can never die. Laura is eternal. Yeah, she's gonna always raid the tombs. Like, heck, she's. They said she's been dead, like, what now, three times, and they've rebooted her twice. It's like, Laura, it, Laura, cre- being born, it's like she's eternal. You can't kill her off. And that, I think that's, I think that's the overall tone I think of tonight is that Laura is an eternal figure. She's, you know, she's perfect in every sense. She's always, young and beautiful sexy and and confident and she will always overcome and beat everything like i i love the ps1 era of tomb raider uh 
as you said, Chronicles doesn't exist. Uh, it, it, you know, it's just, it was just a memory. It's uh, not real, but one through one through four are some of the best PS one experiences anybody can have, you know, I think it'd be hard. You'd be hard pressed to be like, Oh, these are just bad games. No, they're wonderful moments when this woman dominated the world like no one else. Yeah, grouping um, Laura Croft, like Tomb Raider 1 through 3 and 4 with Metal Gear Solid and uh, Final Fantasy 7. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Like she is a part of, she is embedded within the fabric of the PlayStation 1, the sort of cultural zeitgeist that system controlled and dominated. And you know i think that's why she is so legendary and so tied to our understanding of not just women in games but women in pop culture pop cultural figures as a whole i mean she's everything i i don't know i feel like i've exhausted everything about this this specific era of laura and i don't want to get too far ahead of myself with the reboots only female video games there is no other the only there one that comes no to, the only one that comes to mind close to me is Bayonetta, but even then Bayonetta can't fully match Laura. Hey, Laura, she ain't Laura, girl. No, she ain't Laura. <laughs> she's a I different cannot. she's a, she's in Bayonetta and Laura are two separate entities. Yeah, she's not like Bayonetta can Bay- Bayonetta can be do her own thing, but you know, without Laura. Who knows if we would have had Bayonetta? I think that's the fair, fair, the fair point. You know, Laura, yeah. Laura set the bound, the the groundwork for for decades to come, and I, Laura, I Ben Croft. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I can't thank you enough, Stephen. This was a blast of a night. Uh, I couldn't think of anyone better to do this, and thank you for kicking off part one of Laura Croft tonight. Well, thank you. I had a, a great time discussing these awesome fucking games. These uh, glittering, uh, glittering moments of culture. Glittering images of Laura Croft is all I want to see when I go to bed. <laughs> she, will, she will put you to bed and you'll have the best night's sleep ever. But... Yeah. I think this is a wonderful time to stop the recording. <laughs>